what's up and welcome to Nostalgia end of year. My name is Pat Sheehan, joined by my co-host Dave Martin Swagger. Dave, how you feeling about the year in music, dog? Feeling all right. Feeling all right. Still got a lot of music. We were worried when the pandemic began that all planned rollouts would cease, and they did for a time, but they came back. No live shows to go to, but still still felt like we got a lot of new music, like a normal year. So, yeah, that was nice. One of the relative positives of 2020. Yeah, and actually, it's interesting because whereas TV and movies, we probably won't know um, until the, the coming years how the pandemic and COVID impact how movies are made around them and TV shows and also how they inspire the stories that are told music. We kind of get that in real time. You know, we've had quite a few albums that were written, made and produced right in quarantine, right. And probably because of quarantine and some of them might even be on our list. So uh, pretty interesting to see music kind of be the, uh, the first beacon of how, covid impacts the culture of in uh, the art that comes out of out of things so um you know it, it's interesting so when i was thinking about this year i was thinking about it feels very distinctive there's like a cutoff for me where april and on feels like a very separate piece, like piece and then everything before feels almost like it happened like two years ago <laughs> it's it's very strange do you have that same feeling definitely definitely yeah i mean through March, we had the last of those like planned rollouts, and then yeah, definitely changed, and it was pretty dry for anything big for a few months after that. No doubt about it. Um, I've just been wondering if COVID will have lasting effects on like studio experience and studio sessions, because obviously anything that came out this year for the most part was made uh, remotely you know, home recording, stuff like that. Definitely not people hanging out in the studio all day. I assume artists still like doing that and obviously see a big benefit of being with the engineer, being with their producers and their collaborators. But will that come back as soon as possible? I'm sure that's already coming back in a certain sense in places like Atlanta, where there seem to be less COVID rules. But that's one thing I'm keeping my eye on is just if home recording just becomes the complete norm. Yeah, you saw artists like Taylor Swift, um, you know, Fiona Apple, uh, Charlie XCX, who really turned their homes into their, you know, their place of work. And uh, Taylor Swift made a documentary all about this and kind of showing how she brought in people for it. Um, and, and not that that's something that's a totally new concept, you know, many famous albums have come out of people going and isolating themselves in one place and kind of making that music together. But you're absolutely right. Like that, the whole concept of having a studio, having people coming in and out, having it be this own microcosm of ideas and energy uh, might be shifting a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Are there any trends from this year for you that um, really stood out? You know, last year, I think we talked about the emergence of K-pop as as a really strong force in the industry. And that that continued for sure. I mean, we saw BTS and Blackpink and um, some of these other Asian bands really starting to and con- are continuing to make their mark. Grammys now 
um, in the West know, specifically. In the West specifically, right? Uh, YouTube numbers are you know just being broken. Records just being broken every time they drop a video. It's crazy. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, along those lines, continuing like globalization of things like Afro beats from people like Burna Boy and Reggaeton from folks like Bad Bunny. That kind of stuff is continuing to be more and more prevalent and accepted and successful in the mainstream music industry in the West specifically. And that's great to see. And talked about that before. We talked about uh, Burna in particular, but that that's awesome. And that'll keep that'll continue for sure. Um, I mean, not that TikTok was invented in 2020, but it does seem like TikTok's effect on the music industry took on new life in 2020. Look at the Billboard chart for the Hot 100. Look at the best-selling singles of 2020. And probably 95% of those songs are major TikTok hits. At least 95, probably, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, 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 it's it, it's of a piece. It's one and the other. Like there, if, And you can look at, like, the songs that went number one, the songs that stayed at number one. There was a lot of number ones this year, which I think is partially to factor in, but hits are hits from TikTok. And it does seem like t- we, we know that TikTok drives consumption. And we've talked about how it's made careers for people like Flo Millie, for example. But I'll be curious to watch how uh, that continues, you know, because like we've seen moments where artists clearly are shooting for tiktok success with the way the song perhaps the way the song was written from the start with something like 2c slide from drink right or just really uh obvious attempts to find success on tiktok with stuff like justin bieber's yummy like we've seen a lot of that at this point <laughs> but uh no matter your opinion on it uh i it is certainly uh not gonna stop it is not a fad it, it is very much part of the industry and you can Look at how much it costs to uh, promote your music on TikTok as any indication that it's just uh, it's just part of the game at this point. Yeah, and I think one of the interesting things we've seen, too, is uh, music labels trying to promote older songs on TikTok uh, to try to get a second life for them in some sense. Very interesting strategy. Yeah, I mean, Fra- there's a Frank Sinatra TikTok account now <laughs> from whoever owns that estate. It's like... Uh, a little gross but it's it's money to be made money to be made their, their reasoning anyway and anytime they can make money they're gonna go for it um you know i we, we kind of mentioned this but i think definitely uh music seemed to evolve and really capture different moments throughout the year you know the beginning of the year we had the releases that were pretty normal but then i i do feel like we saw music evolving with the cultural shifts that were happening, whether it was albums that were talking more about isolation, about loneliness, about having to social distance from each other and sacrifice the place and spaces as you know, we all were forced to do this uh, to, for our own safety. We had albums that seemed to be capturing moments like the George Floyd protests and the Black Lives Matter protests. Um, you know, it, it really seemed like music, uh, had its finger on the pulse this year of of what things are going in. And it seems like the state of society had a major impact on very popular artists that were coming out. And I'm sure we'll be talking about a few of them 
but uh, it's it's just feels like more than ever music was capturing moments or maybe not more than ever but more than ever recently has been capturing moments yeah yeah for sure any others dave or do you want to jump into these album lists now i will note uh he did not make my list but we did get more j electronic albums in 2020 than stimulus checks and that (laughs) is uh kind of a mind-blowing proposition if you know anything about Jay Electronica's long road to the debut album, let alone a second album. If you want to learn more, uh, go subscribe. And if you want to subscribe and hear these lists when they come out and all the other lists, uh, subscribe on youtube.com slash nostalgiapod, soundcloud.com slash nostalgiapod, and follow us at nostalgiapod on Twitter. All right, Dave, let's do it. 10 to 1, albums of the year. I'll let you go first. Number 10 for me is Six Nines Tattletales. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I, I literally was just like, fuck. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, so 10 for me is an album that came out literally the week before quarantine began, the Saturday before everything went off the rails. Uh, and that would be Little Uzi Vert's Eternal Take, an album long hyped and anticipated, released. Uh, kind of disparately on a Saturday uh, morning and an album that stuck stuck with me throughout the year. Uh, the first track, Baby Pluto, was my number one stream song of the year on Spotify as a result. And it's an album that is not without its faults, not without its fat, and it skips, but without a question, delivered on the hype that Uzi fans had bestowed upon it by delivering uh, everything fans a little over Uzi Vert come to expect, namely just that kind of unique uh, energy he brings as a rapper. And yes, the beats might not be the most unique. It's still familiar trap beats and all that. But he just has a kind of cult of personality about him. And you think of songs like Baby Pluto, which is just straight energy, straight bangers, Myron, same way. Uh, prices like there, there, there are tons of moments on Eternal Take that really stuck with me, and he even uh, did something that we we, we remarked him on at the time. It's certainly not a trend, but it's interesting. A sequel song uh, when he made P two, which was a, basically a flip of EXO Tour Life, his uh, biggest song to date, one of his and his best song to date, and to try to flip that and use the same kind of production stylings and flow, and update that w- with an even more personal. Uh, focused lyrics I think was really really cool to see from him so yeah eternal take my number 10 uh an Uzi uh, I'm just happy he didn't stay retired you know I, I wasn't worried about it but it, it's I'm just happy this came out when it did because uh you know soon after right after it came out it was like oh wait when, when is new music ever gonna happen again and mm-hmm. that was nice so yeah I, Uzi. I remember listening to this album probably more than listening to any other album this year because I'd listened to it while running at the gym. Um, there were there was like no one at the gym. People were keeping their distance. It was very strange because there was already word of you know possible right. virus out there. Um, P two hearing that he was flipping his own hit song was just such a, a you know mind blowing moment on that album and definitely one I'll never forget uh it's an excellent choice for number 10 um my number 10 is waxahachie saint cloud um album we talked about earlier in the year um you know it's it's interesting uh kate crutchfeld had been someone that was um 
really on my radar and someone that I, I liked a lot. You know, there were a couple of songs by Waxahachie that I had on a couple different playlists. Um, you know, Out in the Storm from 2017 was an excellent album. But as I talked about in our review for it, Waxahachie had a, a knack for songwriting, but sometimes the tunes felt a little cold or distant even though the the writing was just so endearing and and cutting and St. Cloud totally reversed all those expectations. And, um, you know, Kate on this album really infuses like the, the twang of country with uh, a much warmer, um, like country rock vibe to these songs. And it's just such a pleasurable listen, start to finish you know, I wouldn't say that there's a song on here that like stands out as like, Oh, that's, that's an absolute banger of a song or one that I'm going to like tell everybody to go listen to, but just the album as a whole, as a, as a concept of this, um, you know, person who's really talking about life and, and, you know, that's very vague, but it really does kind of expand across all these different aspects of life, love and um, finding themselves going through hard times. Um, it, it just flows together so well. And, you know, especially like that, that first stretch of songs from Oxbow to Can't Do Much to Fire to Lilacs to The Eye. It's like pretty much perfect in my eyes, those those first five. So, um, you know, I, I had a tough time picking the song, the album I wanted to put number 10. But when I when I really put them all next to each other, um, I was like, St. Cloud is very deserving and I want to give Waxahachie a shout out. So glad to have her on here. Dave, what's your number nine? So my number nine, hold on, my number nine, it's Charlie Baby. (laughs) When it comes to quarantine albums, you can't think of any album first, in my opinion, than Charlie's How I'm Feeling Now. Of course, we would soon get Taylor Swift's Folklore, which is the most famous and best-selling quarantine album of 2020. But How I'm Feeling Now, especially when it came out in, like, was it mid-May when it came out? Obviously, we were kind of starved for new music after the plan rollouts finished up in March. And hearing Charlie go through the process of making this and workshopping this over Zoom with various collaborators and even fans of hers and approach an album less than a year after a really successful uh, album last summer, 2019, you get an album that really, you know, kind of spoke to the moment in May. And like Eternal Take, it's not that I think, not that I love every song on How I'm Feeling Now, but I think someone who we've always lauded for songwriting, finding a way to bring uh, that feeling of isolation into her music. While also, I think, you know, kind of, you think about Charlie from last year, production wise, that was a little more conventional, even though she's kind of been dabbling in that hyper pop stuff. But how I'm feeling now is, of course, you know, really committed to the hyper pop stuff, which made sense, again, given when it was coming out to kind of be out there because we were in an out there time. You think of a song like Anthems, which is, of course, produced by Dylan Brady from 100 Gex, uh, you know, goes without saying when uh, he's on the beat at this point. So, yeah, I mean, Charlie, uh, you know, I had her song Gone number one last year and i didn't have the album on the list last year but this year i feel like how i'm feeling now was just really momentous when it came out and also just felt really singular and it made sense that's that has come 
from someone like Charlie, whose artistry has long been lauded and always thought of as, you know, kind of pushing boundaries. So it made sense that she would be the first one to drop a, you know, significant quarantine album. Yeah, this this album rules uh, in, in a lot of ways. And at, what I really love is, um, you, like you talked about, she was able to incorporate a part of her her identity and, and a part of something she was going through right into her music that maybe she hadn't been able to do as well while still keeping her, you know, the sound that, that fits for her and that's authentic to her. Um, and even as you look at this album cover compared to a lot of her album covers in the past, like she is just so undone in this album cover. Whereas like the one from the year before, she almost looks like this futuristic like princess in a way. Right. So it's just, so, it's just cool how like, she also collaborated with fans. It was going like back and forth with them about how to like make these songs kind of fit for a moment and for what they want to hear. It's just, there's so many like cool details about it. It's such a good pick for a top 10 list. So um, great choice, Dave. Uh, one that didn't make my list, but certainly deserving. Um, number nine for me is an album that we just talked about recently. Uh, we Will Always Love You by The Avalanches. Um, the only electronic album that's going to be up here for me, but deserving because as we were talking about on the podcast when we reviewed it, there hasn't been an electronic album that's grabbed me in this way since Jamie XX back in 2016. And uh, In Color is one of my favorite albums of that decade. And there's a good chance that We Will Always Love You is going to be an album that sticks with me moving forward um it's a long album and similar to what you're talking about with uzi vert there are some skips you know i don't think it's it's perfect in terms of uh you know you you can't jump around but i actually think when you think about edm now um not many edm artists ever make a album where you don't have a skip i think it's just kind of the the grab of trying to make that that hit song and what i love about this is there there's a flow in between these songs and the highs in these songs are, are incredibly high you know one of the songs that you highlighted in our review that i found myself going back to a lot this week was music makes me high and it's just like a complete absolute banger sunshine of a song it's it's just fantastic um and right before that is a jamie xx produced song wherever you go a couple songs before that we have uh, Mick Jones on the song We Go On, which, you know, sounds something like a uh, a Gorillaz type song uh, kind of infused here. You know, you go a few songs up, you got MGMT, Blood Orange, like all over this is just hit after hit with great collaborations. And I think especially when the Avalanches first came back after their hiatus uh, since uh, 2000 when they dropped or 1999 when they dropped Since I Left You, Wildflower was just such a massive disappointment. I think the expectations were so high for this band that had almost reached like mythical status after dropping such an incredible album. And We Will Always Love You feels like a return to form for the group, even though they don't, they aren't a trio anymore. They're just a duo. It really feels like they've gotten back to uh, chopping up samples, stitching them together seamlessly and just making really infectious EDM music. So uh, definitely one of the best albums of the year for me, um, a late edition. You know, I'm glad we're recording this a little later. So we got to listen to this before we made the list, but uh, really, uh, really one that I recommend to everybody. Dave, moving on. 
number eight for you. Cannot say pop and forget the smoke. <laughs> I was thinking for a while how I wanted to put Bob Smoke on the list after the big 2020 he had, even in theft. And I settled on picking an album, and then I actually struggled with which to pick. Meet the Wu 2, the last project he released in life, which was a, you know, a classic Brooklyn drill mixtape. And then Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon, the posthumous release that kind of catapulted him to a whole new stratosphere. And I went back and forth because Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon is not higher on my list because I do think it's an album with noticeable flaws. There are a lot of features on here that I don't even think make sense. Um, and it, 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 it felt a little cobbled together. But what you couldn't deny is that Pop Smoke's uh, talent was certainly evident, but also his uh, potential to be even more than he was, uh, was evident. And that's why I ended up going with the posthumous record still. And, you know, not to spend too much time on this one, but, you know, it, it's kind of wild to me that the pop, the pop Smoke posthumous album became like littered with TikTok hits. Like I never saw that coming in the least, but when you go back to that track list and you think about like the kind of out of nowhere, like melodic songs he are, he dropped on this and you're like, wait a minute. Like he's going to like interpolate genuine and Tamiya and make these love songs, like something special and what you know about love while still bringing that, uh, gloomy, uh, Brooklyn drill, you know, uh, growl that we've come to associate with him. Uh, it, it was still one of the most revelatory moments in hip hop to me. And I certainly went back to lots of these tracks. And, you know, I mean, the 50 cent comparisons were evident when he was still alive, but they certainly became uh, undeniable on this project where you have songs like Gangsta's where they, you know, he literally sounds like 50 and you know, songs like uh, uh, The Woo, where he has 50 Cent on the same song as him. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think it's it was a really uh, kind of a special moment, again, even though I think it's a flawed project. Um, and certainly reminds you of what a, you know, colossal loss he was, because he really had so much more to give and was just really starting to grow uh, as a rapper. So Pop Smoke, you know, he had a, he had a huge year. He's... Uh, right now on Spotify, he's at like 39 million monthly listeners. That's insane. He was nowhere near this when he was alive, unfortunately. Uh, RIP. Uh, huge loss. Uh, very sad. But solid pick for a top 10. And I think my number eight is one that you might have somewhere on your list. And I'm wondering if you do Alfredo from mm -hmm. Freddie Gibbs and Alchemist. Mm -hmm. Is that on your list? It is. I have Alfredo all the way to number three. Wow. Okay. So uh, you want to want to hold it and we'll get to it when we get there? Uh, no, we can go now. That's fine. Let's go in. So Alfredo, <laughs> uh, very funny picture that has the background for this. Um, <laughs> uh, Alfredo, when, uh, when we first put this on, yeah, I, I guess I was expecting this to be a solid album that I was like, yeah, you know what? This is really good, but not something that was great. And I think what made this great was not only do you get, I think Freddie Gibbs sounding 
uh, I don't know if rejuvenate is the right word, but just maybe fresher than he's ever sounded from what I've listened to. But you have the alchemist just like expertly stitching together this like mafioso old school hip hop record that just like makes you want to hit repeat the second it's over. Um, And it feels so smooth and so part of a whole. Um, It definitely has some high moments and some low moments for me. You know, Scotty Beams is just a magnificent song. Um, You love those Ross features. I I do love those Ross features, (laughs) but, um, and I also really liked like Tyler jumping on the track with something to rap about. Oh yeah. Um, You know, it sounds like the boat I didn't buy yet. (laughs) I mean, it's just, uh, there's just so many good moments in here that uh i had to have it on the list but since you had it number three i want to give you some some space to vamp about this no i i mean i agree i think for the alchemist side of it the sequencing is really choice that it's a really tight project and when you have it so tight like that with no fat and your talent on the mic is freddie gibbs who you know is going to bring you the bars and the personality uh it's just a great combo. And I mean, it makes sense because he's the one who's, you know, he made Pinata with Mad Lib. Uh, who would have thought he could do it again with another superstar producer, but here we are. Um, and you know, like you said, it has amazing features. Ross is great. Tyler is really good and really funny. And then, you know, two of his, I think, contemporaries in this kind of lane of rap, two of the Griselda heavyweights, Benny the Butcher and Conway, who also dropped great albums this year. You have them on this and it makes sense. Uh, within the context of the album and you know gibbs somehow got grammy nominated in the uh Mm -hmm. old head field that is best rap album for uh, the 2021 grammys i certainly hope he wins um you know i I, we i wasn't positive that would happen but i mean now i mean look look at that you know uh and yeah i think gibbs it's sometimes it's just kind of simple like He's just kind of bringing you really tight bars. Mm-hmm. And these are <laughs> sick beats because they're from The Alchemist. They're always going to be sick. So, yeah, Alfredo, uh, my favorite rap album of the year. Not the one I listen to the most, but the one I certainly appreciate and uh, respect the most. That's why I had it so high. Yeah, um, definitely. I think the album I was most, uh, the rap album I was most impressed by for sure. So, great combo. Maybe we'll see more from them in the future. Maybe not, but Alfredo definitely one of the best of the year dave that brings us to your number seven right so for number seven for me we just had the the most cinematic rap project of the year that would be 21 savage and metro boomin's savage mode 2 yeah which man when that came out i was just i had a great weekend when that came (laughs) out in october um cinematic i think is the right word because metro boomin who's a showy producer really brings it on this. Mm-hmm. You know, there's moments where he's kind of dabbling in like Dr. Dre West coast sensibilities with his piano keys and stuff in general. He can kind of bring you that like spooky season uh, production. He's done that with 21 already with, without warning, but on this, it was great. You know, Morgan Freeman trends on Twitter that Friday because it's not just like a one-off thing, but that to me, it was a very excellent use of uh, album budget because uh, you give like these really like metaphorical and whimsical uh, 
lines for Morgan Freeman to cite and you throw them in at the end of your songs and intro of your other songs and again cinematic and then of course 21 who just continues to uh ride this upward trajectory as a top tier uh rapper of the south and I mean there are just so many highlights on this that I constantly go back to uh songs where it's just him like sliding and running and brand new Draco and Glock on my lap but also moments where he's pairing off with someone like Mr. Right Now, which features, yeah. I think, Drake's best feature of the year easily. Um, and one, really one of the best Drake features in a while because it's Drake really at his best as a guest. And I was thinking about it a lot. And when it comes to Atlanta Records of the past few years, I hold this right at the top alongside Young Thug's So Much Fun from last year and Migos' Culture One from... Uh, early 2017 i'd say those are my probably my my favorite atlanta albums of the last three years now so 21 you know a few years back i didn't really did not see this coming but he's uh really damn good and he makes catchy songs he makes fun songs but he also you know he raps a little bit too he's more lyrical than people gave him credit for and we've known this since uh i'm greater than i was album it's not this is brand new but to me, it was just, and like Alfredo, in a sense, it's just an excellent union of producer and rapper. So Savage Motive, constantly going back. Yeah, that was an honorable mention for me. Um, great album. Uh, I, I, we might be talking about it on the songs list, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that then. My number seven, an album I, I doubt you have on yours, Dave, is Gray from Moses Sumney. Honorable uh, mention for me. And, you know, this is an album I was coming back to a lot more earlier in the year. You know, I think uh, the second part dropped in May. It was dropped in two parts. I think the first right. one was either late February or March. I can't remember. Um, but watching the Euphoria special, Rue, when yeah. uh, Me in 20 Years comes on, and it's really just Zendaya sitting there, like, thinking about, everything that Rue's going through and how Rue would want to be remembered and all these questions, that song just hit me. And I, I found myself coming back to this album and man, I, I found so many of these songs to be so unique and moving and inspiring. And I really just feel like as we get further down my list, one of the themes I found was the artists that I'm picking most of them make music that other artists aren't making as well right now. And I would say for Moses Subney, I don't think there's any artists who are even really comparable to him. Like his peers are not in the same class because he makes this grand album following up a romanticism, which was maybe one of the best albums of that year. I don't, I don't think we even talked about it. We did. did really but, good though. Um, just a fantastic listen. And this may not have the, uh, it may not have the batting average of a romanticism. I think it um, it's a lot, lot longer, a lot more songs, um, trying a few more things, but the moments when it really hits, it hits. And uh, there there's parts on both uh, of the two parts that really stand out to me. Um, but a couple of, of the, the song sequencing that really got to me was in the, the first one, starting off with Insula, which is funny that it came out prior to, um, the pandemic but 
now being a song about isolation feels like it could have been written for the pandemic in a lot of ways uh into in bloom viral uh and then into conveyor i thought was just a amazing sequencing of songs in the second half having polly two dog two dogs bystanders and me in 20 years is just like another great run like that and you know i i think the themes of growth and finding out that the world isn't black and white but you know shades of gray and uh that might sound corny for the title you know being right in there but really that seems to be kind of uh the central theme of this is that life as you go on is not something that's easy it's something where you're making decisions that are going to feel shitty a lot of the time you're going to have these moments that leave you sad and and lonely but also happy and and finding beautiful moments and it's just beautiful moment after beautiful moment in this album so gray by moses somni um my number seven dave that brings us to number six for you what do we got from six for me would be Fiona Apple's Fetch the Bolt Cutters, which I believe is also on your list. Number five. And it's an album that I definitely did not revisit a lot, but over here and in, I believe it was April, I want to say. Uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, got a lot tremendous critical response, a surprising lack of big top tier Grammy noms, but an album that obviously had it was it was a long time coming you know Fiona Apple's career but can't help but just respect top tier songwriting and that's exactly what this is it's just masterclass in songwriting and probably for me my favorite song would be Shamika but like you know lyrically Fiona she gets into a lot of stuff revisiting her past talking about a lot of resonant ideas regarding stuff like me too feminism stuff like that but in general she's just kind of a badass that makes like really high level music and you can't help but respect it even if you don't listen to it all the time and that's how i feel about it yeah fiona has always kind of held this space in my mind where i'm like yeah i understand she's like one of the best people in music but not someone that really resonates with me i think you know when when you think about criminal um that's probably the only song i come back to and i really only came back to it recently after we saw uh the, the j-lo movie i'm i'm forgetting hustlers um yeah. so it's uh you know it's the sort of thing where it's like okay she's the goat but not someone we're really going to come back to but yeah fetch the bolt cutters feels not only like an album i think i might find myself coming back to more but just I mean, even just the title of this, you mentioned, um, you know, talking about Me Too stuff, but for this to be an album that was released during quarantine, seems to be, some of the songs seem to be inspired by it, feels like it just proves how smart she is by having the title be, uh, have a double meaning like that, where it's like, you know, uh, let women out of their chains, let them start to be considered equals in society to men but also let us out of this fucking quarantine let us get out of our houses and go see the people we want to see um and uh, just throughout the songs are so creatively structured um and brought together you know a song like relay has always really stood out to me about this album because you you have her not only i think having one of her sharpest lines on the album in terms of the the opening uh chorus um, which was 
evil is a relay sport when the one who's burnt turns to pass the torch just like a absolutely like miraculous piece of songwriting but then turning that into like having it put over and over and over while the the sonics of the song grow um kind of like a relay something that would just go around and around in a sense it's just uh beautifully crafted and definitely not one of the the highlights of the album but i think a lot of the songs have these unique structures whether it's sounds or um ways of kind of layering the 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 instruments that just you don't hear in other artists so kind of going with that theme i was talking about before uh this is a very singular album because i don't think there's anyone else that could have made this and shout out to fiona glad to have her back we'll see when we hear from her next it might be another decade well who knows <laughs> um so number six for me we're, we're gonna stay talking women dave we're gonna talk about haim women in Ooh. music part three um you know similar to waxahachie which i mentioned earlier i think this album from haim felt like um them showing us something that we hadn't really seen to this extent before you know like we'd heard songs like the wire uh from them which one of the best songs uh from from that year and even from the last decade probably a top 100 song um but you know then then their next album kind of underwhelmed felt like maybe they weren't able to really recapture that magic and then they get rostam to come and produce with them and it feels like they really struck gold with this because you have them taking their like bluesy rock sound very like lou reed inspired um uh cool rock vibe and putting these really catchy tunes around it and you just find yourself going from song to song singing along to the chorus uh you know snapping your fingers tapping your feet bobbing your head you really get into the album quickly and um you know songs like los angeles or the steps gasoline um don't wanna i've been down summer girls like these are songs that like the second i hear them i'm just like into it and Haim, for a band that i was starting to write off a bit and say like they're probably going to be around but i don't see them ever like leveling up really feel like they leveled up with this so um just super exciting to listen to and uh you really feel like you're like walking through like a hazy la like afternoon listening to this really puts you in a time and place which i appreciate so hames women in music part three my number six moving on to number five for you dave number five for me is run the jewels four by run the jewels that was my number four number four perfect yeah also you know an album that was not recorded uh mainly in 2020 but still found a way to come out at just the right time dropping right as the uh george floyd and black lives matter protests were beginning you know it was it early june and you get nothing unexpected i guess from lp and killer mike given that this is the fourth album in that sequence but you know mike in particular sounds really engaged really inspired and lyrically the two of them once again are tackling a lot of uh you know things they've done before institutional racism uh you know the evils of capitalism lots of stuff lots of ground they've tread before but just this album 
in how it, you know, relates to 2020 when it came out, you know, I think kind of rises above certainly the way RTJ three landed when it came out, like right around Christmas time, for example. Um, And you have a song like walking in the snow, which uh, again, not written about George Floyd, but very well could have been when you listen to the song. So Eric Gardner inspired, I believe. Right. And you, you, we got another uh, Zachary LaRocca uh, Mm -hmm. collab on this as well, which is nice, of course, because the three of them made one of the biggest and best RTJ songs already before. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't reinvent the wheel for RTJ, but RTJ as a prospect is already operating at such a high level that (laughs) to combine that with impeccable timing, even if it's unfortunately impeccable timing, you know, um, it's tough, tough to deny. Yeah, it it really is. And, you know, as I'm like looking down the track list here, um, just so many of these songs bring a smile to my face and, uh, you know, walking in the snow gets the highlight because it, it has the verse of the year from killer Mike probably. Um, but I, I think a song like just, um, that you mentioned with Zach De La Rocha and Pharrell, that, that chorus, the writing for look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar just feels like such an encapsulation of the, uh, one of the, fundamental political divides in the country right now um and such a a large piece of i think the the election this year and and, you know uh, ongoing elections but just um it's it's just interesting to that they're able to like capture these moments in such catchy ways and you know even songs like ooh la la which uh probably is the catchiest one to me um comes it maybe doesn't get the same standing but just kind of like sticks in your head and uh so well crafted right into a song like out of sight where you get like i feel like a pretty decent two chains feature and shout out to two chains for uh, continuing to be his himself and just awesome every year um yeah there's there's really nothing to dislike i even like the last one which is a bit long but a few words from the firing squad it says a great like guitar like solo going in the background of it it just kind of gives you that eerie like feel um rtj like you said operates at such a quality level it's hard to ever uh really knock them it's uh pretty remarkable so your uh your number five was my number four and your number six was my number five so i think we're moving on to your number four dave right. I, I have fetched the bolt cutters at five right my number four would be Rina Sawayama's Sawayama, which, hell yeah, really surprised me. I had not been attuned to Rina coming into this year, but first starting with her 2017 EP, Rina, which I absolutely adore and listen to a lot right now. Um, I don't love Sawayama quite at that level, but it's still really, really strong because like that EP, Rina's just presenting herself as this incredible genre blending talent and not only is it genre blending but it's also blending musical eras and when you can bring people back to like 2000s pop but also manage to pull off like really sick guitar riffs while you're doing that uh you're gonna stand out <laughs> and uh Sawayama to me is i think an album that really rewards repeat listening less so because of uh you know lyrics like say i run the jewels or fiona apple but in rena's case it's really just the song ideas 
And if you listen to Deluxe in particular, you'll see here even more of that, right? You could um, juxtapose, you know, Como de Garcons with, yeah. you know, kind of a, the blood plot produced Lucid, for example. Like there, there's, uh-huh. there's so many different ideas on here in between Como de Garcons, Bad Friend, and STFU, XS. You know, you're getting tons of really cool song ideas and, and sound ideas combined with, I think, Rena bringing a lot of, introspective lyricism as well um you know talking about how she's felt in the past objectified because she's asian and things like that you know there's uh when when you can talk about that while still making a song that bangs uh i think that's quite notable impressive yeah yeah and you know uh you mentioned like the 2000s pop sound that she brings and it's not only that but she brings back uh you know corn sound basically like she's basically bringing back this like metal sound and it somehow doesn't feel out of place it just feels super genuine and and in line with what she's trying to do it's really impressive so uh definitely a worthy worthy choice for a a top 10 it was one of my honorable mentions so i'm glad it was on yours um dave what was your number three uh that would be freddie gibbs alfredo so what is your number three my number three is twice as tall by burner boy nice Um, honorable mention for me I remember driving to this and just feeling all types of different emotions listening to this because uh, Burner Boy, you know, um, bringing his Afro beats, his reggaeton, his hip hop into this, infusing it so beautifully, also takes an album that is really introspective, looking at some of of the low points of, of his career and his life but then also making music that is just so triumphant and um, makes you feel kind of like a superhero, which I think makes sense since Burner Boy's name came from a superhero he imagined himself as as a kid. Um, And, oh man, just like going back and listening to all these songs, is just like so joyous in so many ways. And, you know, you come back to a song like uh, Onyeka, Baby, or Wonderful, and you can really get those like, um those you can get that big smile you get that like pep in your step and then it comes to you know a song like um i don't know like uh, monsters you made with chris <laughs> martin which take chris martin out of it i think burner boy's part is still pretty solid yeah um, his most poignant lyrics are probably on that song it, it's just tough that chris martin is on the hook and that, that just feels a bit strange, but you know, real life with Stormzy, another one of those songs where you're a little more reflective and um, getting down to, into those fields. So uh, just really impressive album. And it, it's, it's uh, one that I hope is celebrated. Burner boy is making some of the best music uh, in Afrobeat, And um, mm-hmm. this album is by far, it blew me away listening to it. So one, one I've recommended to a lot of people this year. Um, Dave, number two. Number two for me, an album that I highly anticipated and delivered on the hype for me, and I listened yeah. to really ever since it came out, uh, would be Dua Lipa's Future Nostalgia, which managed to complete its album rollout. Probably the last album to do that in March uh, alongside another album we'll talk about in a second. But like the, the, these last two big hitters in March follow, coming right after Uzi dropped were the last like vestiges of, you know, old label release plans for music, right? I think Haim and The Killers and Lady Gaga, Sam Smith, mm-hmm. lots of delays soon followed. 
But Dua managed to get that album out when she wanted to. And actually, it was a week earlier than she wanted to because there were some leaks. Mm -hmm. And, you know, know, going in, I had a lot of hype because I really loved that first album back in 2017, had that on the list, of course. But then I also had really liked the turn she had made towards dance pop. And I was like, hmm, are we going to get that full turn? Don't Start Now, the lead single from the end of 2019, certainly continued that. Just kind of a perfect dance pop track. And then you get Feature Nostalgia, the album, and it, it turns out, yes, that is what Dua Lipa is going to do because she's really, really good at it. And not only is it dance pop, but it's disco pop. Yeah, disco and funk, it's so good. It, it, and it, it, you know, the, the comparisons that had started to begin, Madonna, uh, Olivia Newton-John, uh, Gloria Gaynor, depending on the track, right? They made a lot of sense when you listen to Future Nostalgia because that that kind of like uh, 80s glitz is what she's delivering on. And I just think it's littered with bangers. Lots of different kinds of tracks. Like if you want to really like get like more of a Eurodance throwback vibe, you can listen to songs like Love Again or Hallucinate. Um, I think Olivia Newton-John caught makes the most sense on a song like Physical. Mm-hmm. And then of course you have one of my favorite songs of the year, Levitating on here, which like Don't Start Now, I just kind of view as a flawless track. And kind of for the first time, you know, songs like Good in Bed and Boys Will Be Boys at the end of this track list, you have Dua kind of getting more introspective. And, um, you know, uh, speaking of her kind of observations and you know, most of her music's pretty light, but I think, you know, it was nice to hear that as well. So yeah, Fusion Nostalgia, man, it just... Uh, really delivered for me and stuck with me year round. So big, big fan. So this was also my number two, which makes me feel like we probably have the same number yeah, one as so. well, <laughs> um, which is, is good. Cause I, I think it, it, it highlights that these are just albums that are undeniable. And, you know, I think you actually spoke to it really well. Um, but future nostalgia is funk pop bliss pretty much start to finish um an album that until they added the the baby levitating uh verse had no skips and um you know it's just uh listening to it from start to finish it it's just remarkable that she's i mean she's she's still really young and making music of this high quality and it feels like um we really are seeing that next like pop female superstar which is just so exciting so um I'd recommend that if people want to get a bit more stripped down, check out the tiny desk uh, that she did recently. Um, the aesthetic on that just in general is, is worth it, but um, it really, I think highlights that even though these songs are light and fun and, and dancey, there's, there's more to them. She also has a good song exploder episode. If you listen to that podcast right. about levitating. So I mean, listening. even going back to the first record, uh, BBC live lounge, she did a, uh, I don't give a fuck, uh, acapella on that with uh backing vocals from some other pop stars and you know the, the talent's evident whether it's expertly produced or not no doubt about it well dave i think our number one is both after hours by the weekend am i right correct fuck the grammys dog like <laughs> that, that's really like all i wrote it doesn't my notes make any here. sense it doesn't um and you know the thing about this this record is uh it's pretty much perfect and uh it's you know the weekend had had some ups and downs um i think he was the person who was kind of exploring and trying to like find the mix of his own authentic darkness in pop 
while uh, trying to kind of level up in that commercial success. And then he he did it with After Hours, you know, and the, the aesthetic in general is really cool. I mean, just this like Vegas, like uh, fear and loathing type vibe um, mixed with him just like battered, broken, running around, doing ridiculous stuff, stuff exploding. And then he, you just get absolute fucking heaters throughout. It's just incredible. And, you know, listening back through this recently, um, the stretch of like scared to live, snow child, escape from LA, heartless, faith to blinding lights. I'm like, and then it goes right into your, in your eyes. And I'm like, holy shit. Like this is, these are like all songs they could buy for like top 10 lists in a lot of ways. Like, sure. and to have those back to back, it's just amazing. Um, Abel really was inspired with this. Um, it's just exciting because it feels like he is transcending to a new level for him. And uh, I'm really excited to see what, what's next. Um, what we'll put it at number one for you? Uh, it had to have been the line on Snowchild, futuristic sex giver Philip K. Dick. Um, <laughs> no, uh, you know, if you think about the two albums or projects that preceded this, Starboy and My Dear Melancholy, this is kind of a distillation of those two two projects right starboy uh, him and his most pop focused the weekend as most uh you know centrist i guess by your melancholy the weekend at his darkest his uh his saddest his most hedonistic combining those two things and not compromising on either one after hours is incredibly pop and you can look at that, look at the success of all these tracks. Blinding Lights came out the end of last year and is the biggest song of 2020 anyway. Um, again, really perplexing Grammy nom because it's also great on top of being incredibly popular. Um, and as you meant, you went through that track list. There are just bangers after bangers on this. And kind of like Dua in a different sense, that 80s glitz is really present on this. And yeah, I couldn't help but be brought back to... Uh, his appearance in uncut gems um you know a few months beforehand where of course when that's taking place it's like much earlier you know uh weekend like crew love uh uh kissland era weekend but the vibes of that movie and like julia fox's character's relationship with the weekend in it like really brought me into After Hours in a funny way. And as I remarked at the time, I would have loved Julia Fox to pop up in one of these videos. That felt like that would have made a lot of sense, honestly. Um, but either way, uh, you went through the tracks. It, there, there's just bangers. It, it's an album that I feel like you talk to people, a lot of people really love it, of course, but a, there's a lot of different favorite song choices on this. And I think that just speaks to how deep it is. Like as a, as a full body of work, it makes total sense, but you can take apart tons of songs on this and just listen to them one off because they're that good as well yeah what is your favorite track off it uh my favorite track will be talked about on the best songs of 2020 list coming uh, up so make sure you check that out at youtube.com slash nostalgia pod stay tuned um yeah you know there, there's two two tracks that really stand out to me um in your eyes and um scared to live and scared to live has a uh elton john interp- interpolation and i'm just like yeah, when 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 you're working on that level and like making it sound authentic and uh, not totally cheesy, it's it's pretty awesome. So, after hours, our number one, 
Dave, as we wrap this up, I just wanted to see, were there any albums we didn't mention that you wanted to just shout out real quick? Uh, yeah. Shout out Mac Miller's Circles. Yeah. Which I thought was, uh, you know, it wasn't as revelatory as Pop Smoke's posthumous album, which kind of shed new light on what who Pop could have been. Circles made a lot of sense as a follow-up to Swimming and a continuation of the journey Mac was on, but also really well done. And deserves a lot of credit. And also shout out Amine's album Limbo, which I really enjoyed, and I think think is an underrated hip hop record for sure. Yeah, you, you mentioned this one earlier, Folklore from Taylor Swift. I think it's the the mention for me. Um, not not my preferred type of Taylor, but the fact that I know more of those songs than I expected to at this point is probably just proof that these are still some of the best pop songs ever made this year. Um, Two more just wanted to shout out real quick, which is uh, Eve's Tumor, uh, Heaven to a Tortured Mind, an album we didn't review on the pod, but I came to near the end of the year. And uh, I'll be, we'll be talking about some of those songs in a second. And then Destroyer, Have We Met Yet? This uh, Destroyer is interesting. He's like this artist who is very much in the same vein as the LCD sound system, a bit more pared down, um, but just makes really interesting, uh, eclectic, unique music. And um, have, have We Met Yet? It was just really really pleasant to listen to um and that does it any last thoughts on the albums dave did you have a biggest disappointment of 2020 album wise i have one that sticks out like a sore thumb Hmm. i didn't write it down give me a second let me know yours yeah mine is justin bieber's changes uh for sure another pre-pandemic album funny enough um yeah i mean coming five-year wait nearly for the next justin bieber album long road in the public eye towards redemption for him seemingly seems to be in a great place uh, in his personal life but that album is just lifeless and lacks a lot of personality despite trying to be quite introspective and personal and even though it has like some technical by definition hit songs there's really no hit on it which is incredibly perplexing to say about justin bieber and he's had success since that album with the Sean Mendes song and the Chance song, but um, that album itself, I couldn't help but just be really uh, put off by and quite disappointed in. Yeah, you know, mine is a, a much lesser artist than Justin Bieber, but uh, after we really liked the best first album, the second album was just uh, so That's right so pared down and so bland it's actually funny because i kind of forgot that they dropped an album until i started looking through and i was like oh yeah that's right one that was definitely forgettable so hopefully the next one's a little better but we'll see um dave it's time to talk about our favorite songs of this year dave as we're about to jump into our songs you know when we talk albums i think every year you're going to have albums that just stand out in our wonderful but songs are really like the moments of those, right? They're like the standout, the highlights. Did you feel like we got uh, some really, uh, do you feel like this was a good year for just like top hits of the year? Kind of a strange question, I know. Uh, hmm. Maybe, you know, prob- probably not. I-, I don't know if it like yeah. transcended above other years. I, I feel that way too. I was kind of reflecting on the song list and I was like, you know, these are, these are really good songs, but I feel like one of the things that makes songs great is when you're able to like be together and like share with people like, Oh, this song really is awesome. Or like, yeah, I love this part. 
and we just weren't able to do that as much this year. I don't know, oh, apparently, yeah. I, I, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, you know, as I'm looking at my list, it's not to say that these are bad songs. I think these are fantastic songs, but maybe uh, it feels a little bit less. Um, uh, I don't know. The highs aren't as high for me with these songs this year as others. But with that said, I'm going to kick us off at number 10. My number 10 is off of an EP released by Disclosure earlier in the year. And the song is Tondo, uh, which uh, samples a Cameroonian artist named Echo Roosevelt. Um, his song Tan- Tondo Ho Mba. And um, the song just i feel like it's constantly stuck in my head the the baseline of this um that that disclosure puts under this track it's just like so good uh and even though disclosure released an album later in the year which had its moments and and i think the first half was really strong um out of all their tracks this year, this one stood out and has stuck with me the most. And Disclosure, when they let themselves be weird and they explore their their eclectic tastes, I feel like that's when they, they reach these highs. So Tondo, my number 10. Um, Dave, what do you got in number 10? So my number 10 would be Circle the Drain by Soccer Mommy. And I felt like I had to represent indie in some way. And this is... <laughs> quite easily my favorite song in that space you know there's been a lot of uh acclaimed artists and albums dropped this year waxachi phoebe bridgers come to mind but for me soccer mommy another one right before the pandemic kicked off but i think miss allison she was able to give you up-tempo indie music that's engaging to listen to fun to revisit while also filling it with heavier subject matter and introspective lyrics. And, you know, she's definitely one of those, you know, sad girls in the indie rock scene, but she just has an energy I prefer on most of her tracks. And to me, circle the drain is a clear highlight, you know, just like the single you pick out from uh, color theory. So shout out soccer mommy, that, that, that song uh, really, uh, surprised me when i heard it yeah soccer mommy and circle of dream in particular is probably the the best indie song phoebe bridgers has a couple of of tracks that might challenge it but um the one that stood out to me as well one of my honorable mentions my number nine is a song by an artist that we did not talk about um but uh, like i mentioned on our albums list i came to later in the year and this song when i heard it uh Immediately after the album finished, I had to put this song back on because it just totally blew me away. And it's a song called Kerosene by Eve's Tumor. And um, off off this uh, album from April, Heaven to a Tortured Mind, the song features Eve's Tumor with his like lower, you know, more, I wouldn't say it's baritone, but lower tone singing voice next to Diana Gordon, um, uh, formerly known as Winter Gordon. That's right. Um, just totally like crushing her vocals and hitting this high range and you hit the chorus and this guitar comes screeching in and it's just absolute like rock perfection uh might be the best rock song of the year you know looking down i don't know if i'd 
think if I'd put any of these other songs on my list in the same category as this, because this is purely rock and um, Eve's Tumor just quickly becoming one of the artists that I feel like I need to dive into more and stand more because this song as well as Gospel for a New Century off the same album are just um, absolute bangers and songs that sh- I should have been standing all year so that, that that's on me Dave I'm gonna take that one but check out Karis Steve for sure did you listen to it I sent it to you the other day uh yeah definitely uh an omission on our part should definitely yeah. should have hit that definitely um great song check kerosene out dave what should people be checking out at your number nine my number nine is a song from lady gaga you know chromatic came out in june after some covid related delays didn't like it as much as i wanted to and that that disappointed me you'll notice chromatic did not make the album list but it it did still have a lot of moments i liked and you know i had a, one of the biggest songs of the year in rain on me which uh despite uh less harmonizing with ariana grande than i'd like still it is a real banger and uh the outro in particular i find incredibly effective um <laughs> and probably my favorite ari performance of the year because positions also was a un- more underwhelming project to me mm-hmm. uh for lady gaga you know this album was re- remarked upon as like a return to form for her in the sense that she's leaving the more stripped down stuff from Joanne, most of Joanne and the stars born tracks and going back to where she made her bones with the fame and the fame monster. And that was true, but she did, she didn't actually take it all the way. And it almost chromatic of funny enough, felt a little safe to me, despite how, uh, you know, out there, some of the music video ideas still are. And I think my, my favorite moment, on Grammatica, where I felt most like early Gaga, my favorite Gaga, would be uh, Plastic Doll in the middle of the track mm. list, which made it here. And, you know, a lot of that production on Chromatica, that electropop, feels dated. It feels old. And it feels a lot like the type of beat she used to ride on, you know, 11 years ago. And to me, Plastic Doll... Um, which ha- has, I think, a more under the hood lyrically than you expect. You know, that, that hook in particular is really effective. But that production brought me back to like, old Gaga the most. So, you know, I was I wanted to pick a Gaga song and I was trying to think. And, you know, I could have picked Rain on Me, which I really like. But Plastic Doll for me, I feel like, you know, it's more of a deeper cut, but brings me back to the, to the old stuff the most. So that's why I went with it. Inspired choice, an album that um, I feel like I I didn't come back to as much as I expected to, but definitely one that when I did come back to was always a pleasure to listen to. So great choice. But Dave, you mentioned Rain on Me and how little uh, you know Ariana and <laughs> Lady Gaga harmonized together. So I, I wanted to get an even better duo that harmonized for even longer than them, and that's Drake and Twenty One Savage on Mister Right Now, my number seven song of the Let's year. Go, um, <laughs> man! I, I, Twenty One Savage is an artist that quickly rose up uh in my standing um after the album before this one before savage mode at two um and 
this song is just absolutely one of the most fun songs of the year in my book. Um, not only is the production on it just like super interesting and catchy, you know, you have that like tuned up sample in the background kind of whirring around, but then you get 21 just dropping these ridiculous lines. Um, I mean, I, I just want to, I just want to read off a couple of them here. Um, 1942 oh no make that thing sing like sade 1942 it ain't no chardonnay got a pretty girl that i'm feeling on we in quarantine but my m's long i mean <laughs> some of the stuff is just so ridiculous uh i bought a penthouse because i'm never home threw my heart out the window feelings gone uh, he, he's just like totally being like a lover boy on this which i th- I, I really like and then you get drake coming in just being ridiculous i see you wanted to jump in real quick well, I think the funniest line to me is one of the most Drake lines ever, which is like a intentional, like pseudo self own on the slow stroke king hit me anytime. <laughs> yeah. Calling himself the slow stroke king. Just incredible stuff. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I mean, when Drake's uh, verse ends and they, you know, go to the pre chorus and they both say, I'm a slide anytime you want. Mm hmm. The fact that we got more harmonization <laughs> from 21 Savage and Drake than we did from two world-class vocalists like Ariana and Gaga, one of the biggest surprises of 2020. Definitely. And I have to say, more than anything, I think the part about this song I love is just the the chorus. I'm going to slide anytime you want. Put you in, in Chanel. I'm going to teach you how to stunt, slip and slide like a waterfall. You need some TLC. We can creep if you want. I mean, that that just gets stuck in your head so quickly. Um, fantastic writing, fantastic delivery. And the whole song is just a lot of fun. Um, my number seven of the year, uh, or sorry, my number eight of the year. Dave, what's your number eight? Uh, my number eight is another choice that I deliberated on for a while Megan the Stallion and I wanted to represent Megan the List in some way she had an amazing 2020 last year I had her fever mixtape on the albums list this year yes yeah, two projects sugar and good news and a lot of big songs I was like hmm, what do I pick here you know for a while I thought about doing shots fired with the obviously who shot you biggie sample Love the sentiment of that. Thought about combining that with another song in terms of like old school samples. Poo pooed that idea. Thought about Savage and WAP, really big hits, but also great tracks. But again, I went like Gaga, I went with something that's a bit of a deeper cut, which would be B I T C H off the Sugar EP tape, whatever that is. And uh, I think that's actually probably the best highlight for Megan's intended growth. Probably the biggest criticism of good news was that there are some moments like on sugar as well, where Megan is trying to sing and be more melodic and she's just not quite there yet in terms of making those songs. We know when it comes to technical rap ability in your face, aggression, energy, um, she's got explicit lyricism. We know she's at the top with that. She makes banger after banger. And if she didn't do anything else besides that, she'd be fine. BITCH, I think is a great combination of those two ideas so the closest she's gotten to this point of growing out that sound. And, you know, there's a lot, like I said, there's a lot of hits on those two projects. And this one was a little un- unremarked upon as Savage kind of took off, you know, when it came out. But uh, I think that that's where we should point to for Megan's future growth. So a little deep cut, but that's my choice. 
it, it is definitely a deep cut. So when I think about that album, I think I even think about Captain Hook before I mm-hmm. think about that one, but definitely still a great track. Just speaks to, I think, Meg's level of, of excellence this year. She just dropped a lot of good songs. Um, my number seven is a song by Kalani featuring James Blake uh, off of her album from, from earlier this year. It was good until it wasn't. Uh, Grieving is a song that totally surprised me this year. And listening to that Kalani tape, it was a song that I immediately hit repeat on. Um, the way that that song is musically designed, where they build up Kalani's part, they basically take the a lot of the music out and lower it for james blake's part to like lift his voice up and then they bring the swell of sound back and start layering in their voices singing the chorus on grieving it's just so masterfully done um i found myself surprised almost every single time i listened to it at how that all came together so amazingly. Um, it's a song that I'm, I'm really, I, I admire every time I listen to it. And I never would have expected James Blake and Kalani to be a good duo, but I feel like their voices actually mesh together well. Um, and I just wanted to take this as an opportunity to highlight that I feel like James Blake had a really strong year. You know, he started doing like a lot of artists, a lot of Instagram lives. He didn't drop, um, I think uh, he didn't drop anything like super memorable this year, but everything yeah, that he dropped that one little was, EP. Yeah. That one EP from earlier in the year, but the before EP, I, I liked all the songs off that he did an albums uh, or a covers album or EP that I th- also thought was really great. He covered Frank ocean um, uh, in my room, which I also thought sounded beautiful. So he's, he's working, he's doing stuff. And I, I always like seeing him pop up. Feels like he's really in, in a groove right now so grieving my number seven song dave what's yours so my number seven song bts on bts another act had a banner year two albums dropped how to represent them you know dynamite another worthy choice for the songs list for sure massive song first k-pop song to go number one on the Billboard Hot 100. But that song, you know, that, that song's in English. That's them catering to the West a little bit, right? But it's a great track. It's, again, yeah. another 80s throwback glitz song. It's so good. <laughs> They're, like, just operating at such a high level yep. in terms of dynamite. But I wanted to pick something a little more traditional for what their sound has been. I went with On, which to me is just kind of that traditional anthemic k-pop banger and to me a song i've continued to go back to so i just think it's really great um you know one of the one of their songs where i think all seven of of the bts guys all have memorable contributions to the track you know i think of like jimin and taehyung on that first verse the pre-chorus with jin taehyung uh, rm has that second verse suga has a memorable verse Jungkook, of course, has that bridge that really takes you out on the song. Its chorus is catchy as hell. The music video has really great choreography. Um, really, I think the first BTS song that I heard that like I really just really enjoyed going back to a lot. And you know, when it comes to like more traditional K-pop stuff, I prefer it when it's more high energy. Like BTS, even on Map of the Soul Seven, 
there's there are more lyrical tracks there are like you know those love songs and those ballad songs but to me when it's a little more high energy uh like on that's where they're operating at their best to me so you know i mean dynamite's a great choice as well you can make a case for a bunch of their songs this year but uh, on's the one i went back to the most on definitely a highlight of those for me as well um bts like you said just making great music all the time (laughs) they're a really good pop band um all right we're gonna jump into my number six Uh, we're coming back to the states and we're talking about another uh group that came back together for the first time in a while and that's the chicks with gaslighter um you know when we talked about the chicks i think this album uh by the same name as the song was uh, you know, hit or hit or miss. The, the tracks were up and down throughout, but um, I think overall we were we felt glad to have them back. Um, you know, formerly known as the Dixie Chicks, kind of seeing them start to evolve and, and you know make make music again was is always exciting. And um, Natalie Maines using the relationship with her ex husband as the focal point for the the album, the the focus of the songs definitely added a bite to it. And I feel like Gaslighter not only was an incredibly catchy song, but one that uh, I think will be used by men and women alike in the future as they go through breakups and start to move into that anger phase of grief in uh, the loss of relationships. And it's just an absolutely catchy song. That chorus, uh, just bounces around in your head you find you find yourself jumping around and singing to a song about a person who was gaslighting and emotionally abusing somebody um and you don't really even think about it that much because it's just such a a catchy track so uh the chicks uh gaslighter my number six glad to have them back maybe the catchiest hook of of the year catchiest chorus of the year on that i might say i don't know definitely one that that i think about all the time Dave, you're number six, please. My number six is iPhone by Rico Nasty. I was wondering when this was gonna pop on the list. <laughs> yeah, you know, I cited we cited Charlie, I cited Charlie XCX, how I'm feeling now on the albums list, which is of a similar vein in terms of that hyper pop sound production, notably because of the contribution of Dylan Brady, who produced iPhone. But I think iPhone. It's probably my, my, my favorite individual song when it comes to that kind of stuff. We got a lot of that this year, of course. We got more Gex music. We had Dorian Electra, Charlie. But I think iPhone for me really stood out because Rico's performance on top of everything else, you know, those three, three vocal pitch changes throughout the track leading up to her actually singing on the second verse. Um, really great quotable of 2020, smoking t- too much gas i forgot to put my mask on hilarious <laughs> um you know i i think it's the best song rico's ever made or certainly right there at the top because when you have her unique energy and her aggression but you like twist it around into something that's so inviting like iphone despite the fact that it's dylan brady production like that's this shouldn't be an inviting track but it is and when she starts singing on that second verse it like makes total sense so uh, I think for me, like it, in terms of like, like the, the very in vogue hyper pop, it's the best track of that of the year. And also for Rico's own career, it's, I think, a new, a new highlight, like a new jumping off point in terms of her 
continued growth. So yeah. big highlight for me. Really, it's been out for a while, but I've been listening to it even more of late. It's a great pairing, her and, and Dylan Brady, and I, I really hope we see more of them working together in the future because it feels like uh, they can level each other up in a lot of ways. Uh, number five for me, moving forward, is... By a band that, Dave, I don't think you're going to expect me to have up this high, which is the 1975 with If You're Too Shy, Let Me Know. Wow. wow. Yeah, I know. When I was going through my list, I worked from top from bottom to top, so I went one to ten. I couldn't I couldn't put it any lower. This this song has been one of the songs I've come back to the most this year. Um, the 1975, a band that I often point to as being one that I think is overrated and, and uh, looked at uh, with more admiration than is actually deserved. Um, and I think you actually can kind of see a little bit of that on the album from this year, right? A bit of an underwhelming album, um, notes on a condition, conditional form, um, pretty unmemorable in a lot of ways, and not one that was talked about much after it was dropped. I think people felt like it was a little less thought out, a little less conceived than the than the previous album. And uh the one part that i kept coming back to was this like modern love song that has this very like 80s feel to it um you know the guitar is is really tuned up and sounds almost kind of like flock of seagulls-esque in some ways you have this like thumping drum in the background and this just totally uh modern chorus about you know and, and, and lyrics about this you know, meeting this person online who, uh, you know, might be on OnlyFans, might be someone that you're following on Pornhub um, and, you know, wanting to have this relationship with them, but feeling a little shy, feeling like, you know, you, you, you're not sure if they're going to want to go to that level with you. It's, it's just such a fun song, you know, and, I, and the build up to it's, it's like five minutes long, but it never feels that long. Just um, a really impressive song that, I wish the 1975 made more of this stuff than like the, the self-serious stuff that they make. Um, Cause I feel like I would like them a little bit more and I'd feel like they wouldn't get that savior of rock label that they get a lot of the time. But um, if you're too shy, let me know. Couldn't be any lower than number five for me this year. So did it make your list? Probably not. Uh, no, it didn't make my list. I had um, a different song on honorable mentions. Uh, what should I say? really like those vocal uh effects they did for Matty Healy on that one but yeah I'm surprised to hear this 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 is this is interesting <laughs> progress Dave it's, it's 2020 we're all we're all just doing the best we can right uh what's your number five and my number five don't have to spend too much time on this, this is a weekend track been my favorite weekend song off after hours basically the whole time that'd be faith hmm. um so many highlights on After Hours. There's really no wrong answer in terms of picking this because there's so many good ones. It really just depends on which one you like, which one sticks, sticks with you. But for me, Faith, uh, that beat kick where when Abel says, if I OD, I want you to OD right beside me. And like the beat like pauses and like restarts itself and kicks back in. That like 10 seconds is probably my favorite piece of production of the year i don't know, i've listened to it so many times and like we said a lot about the album on the album list uh you know 
the weekend managing to get dark without sacrificing that like inviting pop sensibility is why after hours is so impressive and so easy to revisit and to me faith has been the song i've listened to the most yeah faith is great choice man that the album both are number one just uh so good (laughs) um all right Dave, uh, just just indulge me for a second, okay? Uh, I, I was just talking with my doctor wife, and uh, I just needed to run a couple of things by you. Um, I said, I said, certified freak, seven days a week, wet ass pussy, make that pullout game weak. Woo! Um, WAP was a song that created a lot of controversy this year. I think embodied the uh, a movement in, in feminist music and feminist culture that is trying to, I think, make an a important point, which is that, um, you know, women should be able to talk about sex and talk about their bodies and how they objectify men or objectify, you know, or feel have felt objectified and taking that power back for themselves. Um, and not only was the song kind of doing all these things and bringing all this to light but it's just a goddamn banger of a song and you have cardi b and meg the stallion probably the the two best female rappers in the game and just two of the best rappers in the game in general right now just absolutely going off on this track uh trading bars seamlessly it's um it's a really impressive song and just one that I felt like made a, a larger cultural impact than just being a song this year. So um, definitely one that I come back to uh, just cause it's, it's a lot of fun. And um, you know, if, if there's some hoes in this house, I'm with them. Do you have any thoughts on WAP? Really considered it for my list. Went with the deeper Megan cut and said, but it's a song I definitely love. It's, it's so great. <laughs> it really is so great. Number four for you, Dave. Yeah, number four for me. I'm curious if this makes your list. This would be Run by Joji. My number two. Excellent. All right. Yeah, I, uh, Joji, I think really blew me away. Blew a lot of people away with this song just because it's an incredible vocal performance from him. Vocal performance had not been a previous strength as he transitioned from YouTuber to full-fledged real-life music artist. But Run... Uh, his his singing is so strong and combine that with the guitars on that beat it's so great it's uh and it, again we've said this a million times a movie and a tv show both named run that came out in 2020 and neither song used and neither project used this song in their run it's very strange <laughs> yeah uh you, you know that a a show like um, Euphoria is definitely going to use this and just like absolutely crush it and <laughs> all these other HBO shows are going to be like why didn't you do this but yeah though you mentioned like the musical like the, the sonic structuring around the song and just like the way that the guitars come in at the end but even before that it's just even like the build up of the song is like I know that it's dark and then like the build up and then kind of like that like almost like release of like so i'll just run and like the music kind of like gets down to that level with him it's just so masterfully done um that ending guitar solo with him just kind of like 
quietly singing like and not travel the country like in the background is just so perfect in terms of like the mood and the emotion that you're trying to evoke from the song and uh joji even though his album i think um modus was a, a highlight for me off that but uh, i think a lot there's a lot of forgettable stuff on this most recent one this is a track that will stick with me and one again i i think i've found a theme for me is the songs that i keep telling people like you have to listen to are ones that i found pretty high on my list this one i tell everybody you have to check out so um run my number two dave my number three I'm, I'm expecting you to have on your list so i just want to see how high it is levitating by dua lipa uh numero uno my friend wow okay well uh I'll let you take the lead on this then, because if it's your number one, you should get to talk about it. Uh, well, I, I no, it, that's fine. I mean, I think Levitating is just a flawless dance pop track. Yeah. And because it's dance pop, it's very easy to listen to and revisit and play on loop and all those things. And uh, it's a goddamn banger. Yeah. And Dua Lipa is 25 years old and she has a lot of damn bangers already. Like, it, it's great. And levitating to me, I was very perplexed to see it not pushed as a single out of the gate. Like Don't Start Now came out before the album, physical shortly before. Uh, uh, break Break Your Heart, Break My Heart. Like that became a big hit and a single right afterwards. And Levitating did not get much of a push at all until several months later, where it gets a completely superfluous and unnecessary De Baby remix and starts getting pushed to the radio with the De Baby remix as if De Baby is somehow selling Dua Lipa's hits. Like it didn't right. make any sense to me. But either way, I think it's just 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 a goddamn banger. It's so great. And like I, yeah. I it's hard to pick apart pick anything apart out of it to me because in terms of like what Dua does uh, well um in terms of like vocal performance on these dance pop tracks these 80s and dead tracks like uh, this this and don't start now are like right there at the top and don't start now didn't come out this year so i picked this song instead yeah i think levitating is probably my favorite song on the list um it's not my number one because i think the the next song we're going to talk about is just one that uh captures the mood of the year better but levitating is just an absolute yeah you said it's a perfect pop song um it, every part of it just feels like it flows and gets stuck in your head. Um, it makes you want to dance, makes you want to jump around. It's just an absolutely fantastic track. And um, this, more than anything else I listened to this year, made me excited to um, like uh, talk about music, to share music, to uh, get back into clubs or into bars and like hear yeah. this song and like dance to it like it, it it just makes you really like appreciate what music is and what it can be so uh yeah i i really strongly uh suggest the song exploder song on this it, it really i think makes you even appreciate it further um so dave what's your number what do we have for you number three yeah number three for me uh had a lot of choices with this i thought about going uh, walking in the snow would run the jewels but i represent the album instead on the album list so i went with something of a similar sentiment uh but probably a little under remarked upon compared to rtj and that would be wishing for a hero by polo g featuring mm. bj the chicago kid off polo g's album the goat which dropped back in may i believe several months ago um this notably flips the rogers hornsby's uh song 
made famous in Tupac's changes. So notable lineage right there. Again, like Megan Stallion did later on, flipping Who Shot You and um, Boys in the Hood as well. But more more so than just the changes flip, it, it, the choice is because of Polo G's performance, um, where like the song hits, it's a great rap song. But lyrically, also happens to be speaking to the moment. It's impressive to hear that from a, a, you know, a young gun in the game. I think it's more impressive to hear that from Polo G than is from someone we expected from, like Killer Mike. Um, they killed Martin for dreaming and I can't sleep. Just straight bars, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think making a rap song while flipping a Tupac track is a, it's a tall order. And not advisable if you can't pull it off. Apology actually pulled it off. And uh, he's someone I'm very highly invested in. Uh, his future, I think there's a lot of highlights off the GOAT, um, that album. But I think this song in particular kind of stands out as like the uh, beacon for his lyrical talent. So big fan of his. Yeah, that was a definitely a highlight off that record when I listened as well. Great choice. My number two was run by Joji. So, Dave, it's back to you. Number two for me. I wonder if you have this one. This was my number one for a while. Then I switched it with Dua. Yeah. That, that'd be People I've Been Sad by Christine and the Queens. Yep. Which, did this come out right before quarantine or right when it started? It was, it was early in the year. It was right before. Uh, I believe back in like February it was dropped. And um, yeah, this is my number one. And like I was saying, glad um, I changed it then. <laughs> yeah. Um, as I was saying, um, this song, I think, encapsulates the feelings a lot of people have had this year as we've gone through a year uh, marred by death and sickness and loss of people and places and spaces, um, celebrations. And not only did Christine the Queens capture that it lyrically, but then made a pretty perfect pop song around it uh that's re-listenable and uh emotionally evoking and just truly amazing to watch and as uh as the pandemic started as many artists did christine the queens did a lot of like live uh videos and um every time she performed it just like the the heart started flowing people were you know leaving comments and emojis and it's just one of the songs i think touched anyone that listened to it this year so my number one uh great choice for your number two dave tell me what made you put it up that high yeah like you said just uh another prescient track i I mean even if that wasn't the case i think it's this really beautiful track you know Mm -hmm. and christine the queen's using various languages on that short la vida nuovo ep was impressive in its own right but um people i've been sad i think it's just a kind of a, a huge highlight and probably one of the i mean looking at looking at my list thinking about your list it's probably one of the least popular tracks we've talked about if not the most popular just because christine is not the most uh well-known artist but mm-hmm. um yeah just a really beautiful moment i remember when i was listening to it i was you know didn't expect much going in beyond knowing that christine the queen was really well liked and then like you hear that EP when that song came on, I was just like, oh wow. Didn't did not see that one coming. But it definitely yeah. sticks with you. Yeah, and you know, I actually even considered picking another song on this list for my my annual uh 
artsy pick that's also like a sad pick but mountains uh we met is just another song off that ep that stuck with me all year has a very similar vibe and um yeah christine the queens is a artist that i think is you know like a lot of other people this year seems to be finding her stride and i think just making great stuff so tune into her dave we've gone through our top tens we'll be posting them on twitter but i want to hear what songs didn't make your list that you just want to shout out real quick i mean got tons got tons for sure um let's see in terms of uh uk rappers to come to mind for me that'd be ain't it different by heady one and mains by skepta chick chip and young ads i really love those traps mains in particular one of my favorite skepta performances ever so good um gangsters and sippas by shoreline mafia has probably my favorite just straight up beat of the year a really great beat flip uh mm. at the beginning of that track um i was really happy with the bryson tiller comeback this year things change and inhale for that matter really stuck with me um in terms of like perfect pop it's not quite on the dua lipa level but i thought confetti by little mix was a straight up banger mm-hmm. um I really liked Hasta Que Dos Diga by NYLA and Bad Bunny on the reggaeton side of things. And I also shout out PTSD by G Herbo with uh, Juice World and Uzi and Chance. Really good track as well. I mean, I can go for days. There's so many, so many yeah, individual but... moments. Um, but what about you? I had Phoebe Bridgers uh, with Garden Song. Um, her and the, I believe it's her roadie that she sang with on that track. Just trade beautiful lines um just from run the jewels you know the featuring pharrell and uh zach de la rocha um a couple others i wanted to shout out pressure in my palms by amine with slow thigh and vince staples just a absolutely fantastic song um mirror ball by taylor swift was in consideration for me ultimately lost out um on the floor by perfume genius was a, a track that i've i've enjoyed a lot this year um yeah i mean we have a there's like you said there's a ton of music so i'd recommend if you guys want to hear more of what we liked check out our nostalgia best of 2020 playlist um and prepare to follow our best of 2021 playlist i'm excited to see what artist drops uh, an album that should have been up here and uh just drops it too late so then they get lost for next year like 21 did two years ago yeah or rtj3 yeah you know the mo- I just want to say the most surprising thing for me is uh, I didn't have any Tame Impala on my list. Yeah, I was surprised by that. Um, I, I, that album kind of left me uh, after after the first half of the year. I'm not not sure why, but um, definitely I think still a quality album, but just one that unmemorable in in some ways. So uh, I don't know. It feels like a different different world too. That came out in January, and now it's just so been so long, but um dave we're going to be doing a couple more of these we got tv coming up we got movies which is going to be early in 2021 so uh give us that follow on uh, youtube.com slash nostalgia pod soundcloud.com slash nostalgia pod um any last words for the year in music dave keep an eye out for that nostalgia best of 2021 spotify playlist starting up soon um like you said, someone will probably drop momentarily at this point. Any music we will consider in 2020 as 2020, 21 music. So keep an eye out for that playlist. The year in music. It was a good one. Peace out. Yeah.